Hi, Stephanie here. I am an entrepreneur, lobbyist, wife, mother, book lover, and political junkie. I think gender equality is still a work in progress in our homes, our workplaces, and our politics. And I love to learn, especially from other women. So I started Women Don't Do That, a bi-weekly podcast and blog to talk about issues women care about today and to inspire us to do whatever it is we think we can't do. Kristen Edwards is a leadership consultant and host of the Amplify Ambition podcast. She combines her bachelor's in organizational communication and master's in psychology to help women lead businesses to build productive and inclusive strategies by leveraging their personality types. She believes that knowing more about personality types and working styles is the key to unlock success that will grow both life and business. Kristen will openly admit her obsession with the Enneagram framework, but she also uses DISC and Myers-Briggs to help entrepreneurs gain self-awareness to better connect with their audience, attract dream clients, and build efficient teams to sell out irresistible offers. Welcome, Kristen. Thank you so much, Stephanie. I'm so excited to join you today. Thank you. I wanted to ask you, what does life look like for you right now? Oh, that's a loaded question. So my state is slowly opening up. However, I am not so sure about that. So I'm still living in a bubble in many ways. Um, But my kids are in school full time, which is nice that I can be like at home working, but I'm both um, a coach and a consultant. So I'm balancing all the things with like three screens in front of me at all time and trying to keep things devices silenced um, as I keep myself productive, you know, while I do things. So it's a lot, but for the most part, I'm still home all the time. Um, I try to go outside and walk because we are getting to that warmer weather here. I'm in Connecticut for reference for like other people listening um, as well. So it's nice that spring is here and I can open my windows and get fresh air, but I've still basically still been locked in my house for over a year. <laughs> right. And, and were you, how old are your kids? Um, I have a, an eight-year-old son, and then my daughter is two and a half going on 25. <laughs> yes, I hear that one. So were they home with you for a while at all, or have they mostly been able to go to Um, So they have been back in school this entire school year. So they obviously, like everyone else, were home, you know, March and throughout last summer. Um, But thankfully, you know, my son's in a super tiny school that he's been in school this entire year and they've been able to keep it open. Um, And then same thing because my daughter's at a smaller daycare. um, She's back and I can actually get something done during the day because it was obviously like many people hard to be productive with screaming kids at home. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yes, absolutely. So I I don't know how much you know about what's going on here, but COVID is very bad right now where we live. And my, my kids didn't go back to school after Christmas. Um, And I don't even remember how long, like I've just lost track of time. And then there was COVID in one of their classrooms. So they did go back, but it was only a few weeks. And then one of them was off again 
and then they went back and again it was only a few weeks and then we've been shut down for a while again so they're saying maybe we'll get back for june which i don't know we'll see um but yeah it's a so my kids are home, so we might hear some screaming. So <laughs> I know exactly what that's like. And I, I keep just telling myself, like, this is a period of time. I just need to, like, look forwards and it will be okay. Because otherwise, I'm just like, bah! Yeah. And I'm like, how much are we stressing our kids out? Like, I, I kind of want my daughter to grow up and be a therapist. Um, right. Which I know is, like, super selfish. But, like... <laughs> she'll be really rich because every single person right now is going to need a new level of therapy. Like I obviously yes. think we all need therapy, but it's going to be a new level when these kids grow up. They're like, well, those two years that I was home with mom, like, sorry guys. Yeah, yeah exactly. I know there were, that came up the other day with one of my daughters and I was like, are you going to need to go to therapy because of me? And she was like, yes, yes, I will. I wanted to also ask you, this is a question we like to ask everybody is what motivates you to live your best life? So I know we're going to talk about the Enneagram, but like, just why not, right? Like I'm an eight wing seven for people who already know what the Enneagram is. So why not just live your best life? And I genuinely do it because I'm annoyed at the fact that people think I shouldn't. And I'm kind of a cold hearted little bee about it. (laughs) Um, I am a brat. I actually call myself a brat, like in general conversations. (laughs) Um, So we'll go with that word as the B word, but I, like, why not? And for people who think that I should be put in a box, then I get really, really upset about it. And then I have to make it better. So I know, like, as a mom, I should probably say, you know, I do it for my kids. And I do want them to have a great life. And I do want to be a role model. But honestly, I do it to piss off all the other people who don't think I deserve it. <laughs> Said as a true eight, I can't wait to dive into this conversation with you. <laughs> I thought we should kick it off. I, I feel like there's, depending on your work experience, there's actually a lot of people that don't know a lot about not just Enneagram, but even just personality tests or, or typing at all. Can you talk a little bit about what is personality typing uh, for people who aren't available? Like, what does it mean? Yeah, so it's, most of them are backed in psychology. So it's really studying the human brain um, a lot of people will deny it, but I think nature and nurture, so me talking about my kids being therapists and one of them becoming a therapist, right? Our mental health, our physical environment, the people we grow up around, whether that be our parents or our teachers, whatever, all of those things shape who we are and how we show up in our world, if you're shy or quiet. And so, um, like probably most people listening, my experience with personality assessments started with Myers-Briggs, right? Mm-hmm. You're a senior in high school or freshman in college, and it's, let's take this career assessment based on what we think you should be because you are quiet. And I got an ENTJ at the time. I'm actually an INTJ, but if you can't tell, I love talking. And so I was told, you should be a journalist or a lawyer. <laughs> and I was like, mm, no. Turns out if I had looked at the INTJ and was honest with myself at the time of taking that, I would have actually realized how accurate that career assessment was. But that's (laughs) where my obsession for this um, kind of started is because I like watching people. I know this sounds creepy and I like making those judgments of like, you look like a Stephanie. Like, what does that mean? But we all say this kind of thing. Like, you sound like a Rachel. Like, uh, okay. Um, And so I'd always been that type of person. And then there was this quiz that said, this is the type of job you should have when you grow up. And so that's where it started for me. Um, 
And I've always, I'm a data person. Like I'm a numbers girl. I actually started college as a math major. So I just love data and numbers, but I also loved understanding the background, like what got us here? What's the research behind how we ended up here? And so I eventually went on to get a master's in psychology. And I tell people I have a master's in personality assessments because I literally (laughs) studied how does the brain work to like, you're telling me that this quiz decided my future and probably is not exactly that simplified, but learning how all these situations that we've gone through in life. Some people say that the Enneagram is based on like your childhood wounds, but it's, Mm. isn't it because we've recognized what those situations were? Because again, like how was your mom growing up? Was she present or was she a helicopter mom? Or did you not see her for 20 years? All of those situations, um, other family dynamics, again, the exposures that we have, did you become just like that parent or the person that raised you, or are you the exact opposite? So I just started geeking out on these assessments in general. What are the frameworks to say who we are, why we are the way we are, and how do you decide your future based on all of that? So I started geeking out on it, got a master's in it, and then I ended up in HR. And so I started using DISC assessments as well. And so many people are familiar with DISC um, because it gives you that same framework of how you collaborate with work styles. And in my 20s, I discovered the Enneagram and I was like, this is the winner of all the assessments. I've seen all of them. I've taken all the tests. They're all great. Most of them are accurate. But the Enneagram just took it to a whole new level for me. And I have been hooked ever since. Oh, I love it. Why do you think it's important for people to know their personality type? So one, it gives you a level of self-awareness that you can be honest with yourself, right? You're always the weird one in your family. It doesn't matter if you're normal or not. Like if everyone was weird in your family and you were normal, you felt left out. And so being able to put words around what makes you different and unique Mm. and unique makes us sound like, oh, you're so special and unique. And you're like, but I'm judging myself and cringing at everything that I do. And then you realize there's a bunch of other people on the planet just like you. So now you're not alone and you have a language around what explains why you are the way you are, what you like, how you respond, how you feel. And it gives you a level of confidence to show up and be yourself. But Mm -hmm. then you go further and you can say, I can become the best version of myself. I can push myself to do greater things, to accept the challenge, to take it on, exceed expectations, create new expectations, depending on kind of how you see the world. Um, And more than anything, it helps us to understand others better, Mm -hmm. to reach across and say, I understand you. This is how you see things. And let me say what I need to say with the right intentions behind it. And I think that's the difference between some of the other assessments. It just says like, cool, this is how you show up at work. Cool. You should have X job. The Enneagram gets into those motivations, those core desires. Mm -hmm. Um, And then you can say, great, this is your personality type. This is how you're going to accept feedback because at the end of the day, like life is crappy um, and we have these bad experiences, but let me deliver that bad news in a way that you're going to be able to grow from it and not always be offended. So if I know your personality type, I can speak in a way that resonates better for you and vice versa. You know, Mm -hmm. we talk about love languages in relationships. It's that same thing. If Mm -hmm. I'm going to speak in a way that you're going to say, oh, this is great. If you have a partner who just wants quality time, 
you can clean the whole house from top, top to bottom and it shines and they're going to be like, but you didn't talk to me all day. Why don't you love me? And you're like, what? So it's just about finding a way to communicate with others. Um, and as we're all growing together and all aware together, it makes the entire world a better place. Absolutely. You made me think about a few different things. One is, I think I learned early on being a manager and a director about that piece around if you know what your staff are, then like a good manager doesn't actually treat everyone on the team the same way. Like, like you said, like when you give feedback, you should be tailoring it to that individual because if you want them to hear it, you need to have that conversation in a way that will resonate with them. And I know for myself, I really felt like once I knew more about my personality and my strengths and my weaknesses, like it just helps you with your resume. It helps you sell yourself in jobs. I think that's really when the key turn for me in, in terms of being able to promote myself. And it's often the feedback I will give to other young women when they ask for advice. I'm like, you need to figure out what, what your personality is, what your strengths and weaknesses. Like the, these are things that, that will really help you um, push yourself in your career. So that's very interesting. Some, some people listening won't know anything about the Enneagram and, and others do. So we'll try and touch a little bit on both. Can you talk a little bit more about like, what is the Enneagram? Yeah. So the Enneagram it literally is a, a diagram. It's a Greek word meaning diagram of nine. Um, and so it breaks down into nine core personality types. And for me, I think nine is a really justified number when you have 7.5 billion people on a planet, like putting them into a group of four, like Myers-Briggs or DISC is not enough. And then you have things like you know, Clifton strengths, and you're like, 34 is just too many to even know what's going on. And again, all great tools, but to me, nine was a good number to kind of break it down and um, have it resonate. But the other thing is that, again, Myers-Briggs and DISC, and those are tools that I use, but they just tell you like what you are. Cool. This is the box that you fit in and we move on. The Enneagram speaks to those core desires, those motivations. It speaks to your fears and it does it in a way that you're like, oh, that makes sense. Um, and it gives you, like I said, that confidence that you can start to say, okay, here's the language around all the things that I think I was 26 or 27 when I first heard of the Enneagram. So here I am, like most women in their 20s, just super judgmental and beating ourselves up because thank you world for making us critical of ourselves. Um, and then I was like, oh, so I'm not crazy I'm just X. I'm just Y. I'm an eight. And so it's not that I want to be mean. I just feel like it's my due diligence to let you know how you can raise to your potential. Um, and that's the nicest way to say it. So it's like, I'm not out here trying to be cutthroat, but if I see something in you, if I see that spark, then it who am I not to push you towards becoming your best self? And I usually mm. tell people who know me in person, I'm like, if I don't tell you where that weakness is, wouldn't that make me a really bad person, right? If I have spinach in my teeth and you don't tell me, like, you, what kind of friend are you? So I'm going to yeah. tell you about the spinach and I'm also going to tell you about drinking the water and I'm also going to encourage you to like grow your business all at the same time. Um, and so, you know, to me, it's, it's, again, the intention behind it, not just taking things at surface value. And now a message from our sponsor. Is your marketing not working for you? Spoiler alert. It's not because you're using the wrong marketing tool. It's that you don't have the right message that clearly represents your brand and speaks to your ideal audience. 
If you're a passionate entrepreneur, Kelly Sinclair is the fairy brand mother who will help you unlock your unique brand and grow your business. Check her out at ks-communications.ca or DM on Instagram at ks underscore comms. ks-communications.ca or DM on Instagram at ks underscore comms. Thank you, Kelly. I think when you're learning the Enneagram and at first value, like that diagram is a lot. Yeah, and it's and it's really important to break it down and start to understand it. And I think um, it takes time, but at the same time, like, why not spend 20 minutes to learn a little bit more so that you can change the next 20 years of your life? Oh, I love that. Yeah, that, that makes complete sense. I thought I would share a little bit as we dive into it more, what the Enneagram has meant for me for listeners. And I think for me, it was the first time where I could really name some of my qualities. And that was pretty amazing. And the other thing I would say is as a woman, a lot of my professional skill sets are maybe looked at as more masculine. So like very confident, not afraid to have difficult conversations, speak truth to power, uh, often to other people a bit uh, intimidated by me, not even on purpose, but just naturally. And very driven, again, not on purpose, but like can't control it basically, right? And so it was the first time that I was able to see myself in in a different way. And I think I also, it's impacted so many things like my work, my personal life. I, so I'm a number three on the Enneagram. We'll talk more about what that means. But one of the things about threes is that they're very like results driven and their worth is like in that results driven we're often like workaholics we're goal oriented and our self-worth is connected to that and i have chronic migraines and it's something that i was diagnosed with in like the last two years and it means that my capacity has decreased as i've walked through that illness and and i am doing much better um but for a while i was having them every day and i actually had to take a step back from of work for a few months you can imagine like as an Enneagram three, I was like, you're killing me. Like (laughs) I cannot do this. And so uh, I think just knowing that what was like driving behind it was because I'm results oriented and therefore like I'm not achieving the results I want. And that's why I feel like I'm a failure and it's so hard for me to let go of this and a different experience than a friend would have trying to do the same thing. Right. And, um, so it's just, it's really changed my life. I would say like professionally and personally, I still have a lot of work to do, but it's, uh, it it was really a huge aha moment for me. Yeah. And I think it's so important to say, um, it's not just about knowing your Enneagram type, because I think that's where a lot of people start. They go, oh, well, I, I know I'm a three. I know I'm an eight. I know I'm a six. And then they take either the best or worst and social media loves to pick out the worst traits in all of us. Thank you, Instagram. <laughs> yes. But they take the worst thing and then they're like, I can never do anything and you can't fix me and it's the end of it. And then like, that's where it stops. And it's about recognizing, like you said, having that language around those traits in yourself, but then pushing it to the next level and say, well, how can I make myself better in my personal life, in my professional life? How can I communicate with others so that they do understand it when it affects your health? That takes it to another level. But to say, how do I grow through this experience? And then the last thing is to recognize 
that the growing never stops. The journey doesn't end. And so it's yeah. not just saying like, well, it is who I am. And like, now I just have to get over that yes, X, yes. Y, Z situation. But to say, well, how do I continue growing and developing as things continue and not shut down in the mm-hmm. process of it? Because it's so easy to say, um, even as an eight, I go, well, I'm a failure and that's the end of it. And now we have to start over. And I'm like, why are we going back to square one? Which has happened to all the other experiences like right. as well. So to, to continue that journey, no matter what's happening. Yeah, that's very interesting. Can you talk a little bit about what are some of the different applications? Like we've alluded to some of it, but maybe just in a more direct way. Yeah. So once you know your type, the first thing is that personal development. And again, like the personal development never ends, but really having a relationship with yourself. As women, we hear a lot about self-love and self-appreciation and self-discipline, and that can go on in so many different directions. But to really learn to trust yourself. And that Mm -hmm. is something that as much as I know the Enneagram, I don't always trust myself. Even if I have the answer and it's right, because I'm an eight, it's always right. Yeah. I still don't trust myself (laughs) with that answer. So everyone who knows the Enneagram is laughing and everyone who has no idea what it means to be an eight is questioning. Because my husband is an eight, right? So I'm like, I don't know, Christian, you and I might need to start a therapy group where you can tell me like how to talk to How to talk to your husband. I got you. (laughs) Um, yeah, I'll tell you exactly how I would respond and then be like, but as a woman, you have to go this way. Uh, <laughs> we can do that. Here's how you circumnavigate to still get what you want out of him. Um, yeah. But, you know, it's, it's trusting yourself and that relationship with self is the first thing. And then the reason that you see on social media, the Enneagram is talked a lot about in marriage and in those at-home relationships is because truth is, if your home is broken, how on earth are you going to run a business or grow an organization? You're not going to start the next Google if you can't figure out inside your home because that's that environment that's affecting you the most. So it's first yourself, then it's your household. Again, primarily those partnerships, that marriage, whatever, you know, relationship is kind of key in your life. Um, You cannot type your kids and trust me, I want to type my own kids. You should not type anyone under the age of, I think right now they're at like 16 to 18 is when you can start to truly ask someone else to type because you should not type them. They should type themselves and that's a whole thing. Um, But don't type your kids for everyone who wants to. I'm sorry. And I kind of type my own kids, but I can't tell you what it is because it's not technically allowed Um, for a lot of psychology reasons. You don't want to screw your kids up. So don't type them. Um, But you can ask your, your, your partner to type themselves and work on that home relationship. And then the next thing is your core team. And so that can be defined if you're in a nine to five, the people that you actually work with consistently if you have your own business you know your va the people that you interface with on a daily basis and after you do your team you can expand to like a larger organization so then you can go to community groups your church your whole company you know different things like that but again the the biggest thing is when it comes to working with others is that communication piece Mm -hmm. how do you as a woman get what you want out of your husband, knowing their personality (laughs) type. Um, It it is huge, Kristen, because for instance, like my husband is an eight and I'm a three. So we both have what some would interpret as maybe not the best Enneagram numbers, very strong personality, challenging for some people, uh, for ourselves and for other people. And um, I remember when I, like when he did the test and, and talking about it with him. And I was able to see like, 
okay, like to other people's eyes, a lot of what he does just comes off as he's just a really big jerk. <laughs> and then when when you read some of the the stuff up about the Enneagram and and I was just floored by how much of it was explained. And I was able to see like, it's not just him. There's, you know, whatever millions, thousands of people who also share this number. And so how do we work through that? It it was fascinating to me. Yeah. And I think the next layer to that is I'll I'll speak for eights because I am an eight is Mm -hmm. we do have very hard exteriors, but recognizing how like, teddy bear like a lot of us are and I'm assuming you feel that way because you did marry him at the same time but I think that harsh exterior when you peel back the layers of the onion I I don't stink but like the layers of the onion and you realize that we 95% of the time have really good intentions and so the one person that's a type eight that most people still like regardless of how they feel in life is Martin Luther King Jr. Martin Luther King was an eight wing nine. And so he fought for civil rights. He advocated for others. Like, even if you're a horrible person, you can still acknowledge that Martin Luther King was a great person. So like (laughs) eights are not all bad. You just have to guess. Yeah. Oh, I love it. And now, now there are some bad eights out there, but again, it's not necessarily the type. It's what you choose to do with who you are. Yes, absolutely. I love that. Can you give a bit of an overview of the model? I mean, it's hard. Uh, I'll have to put some links so in the show notes so people can get a look at it because it's hard to have the conversation without looking at it. It sounds very complicated. Um, so can you talk a little bit more about what is the model? Yeah. yeah. So before you dive in, and again, like even if you go Google this number right now um, or what the Enneagram is in general, like it is a lot to take in and there's yes. lines and arrows and all sorts of things. So before you start to say, this is my type, you have to start with the overarching triads. So are you heart centered, head centered or body centered? And you can answer that without ever taking a quiz. Let's take a really bad situation. In March through June of 2020, millions of people across the world, probably billions of people, lost their jobs. And so whether that was a a slip in your hand or a phone call or an email, however you were told you were being downsized from your position or let go or at any other point in your life, because you all probably got fired from your job at 17 years old too, right? What was your natural reaction when you were told that you were being let go? Did you want to crawl under the table and cry? Were you ready to hide? Oh my goodness, I'm such a failure. I'm so ashamed. Was it very internal? Were you in your head planning out pro con? What am I going to tell my mom? What am I going to do next? Who's my next job? Where am I going? What Or going through that list in your mind? Or did you just want to punch your boss in your face? So if you are body centered, Uh, your gut reaction was to punch someone, something, somehow. I'm not saying what you did because hopefully you were raised to be a good human and you're not going to hurt other people. And even if you're heart-centered and you wanted to cry, you might have kept it together, gathered your things, gone to the bathroom, and then had the breakdown. So it's not about how you showed up in that moment, but what was the natural reaction that you wish you could have done, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe you wanted to cry, but then, right? Think about that whole laundry list of things. But what was the natural reaction? Did you want to cry? Were you thinking? Or did you want to physically respond? That tells you if you're heart-centered, head-centered, or Mm body-centered. And then you can break down from those triads, 
which of your type. So each triad also, also has three core numbers attached to it. So the head heart triad is the twos, threes, and fours. So twos are naturally helping, serving, supporting, giving you the shirt off their back, sometimes giving you the money in their wallet, regardless of if they paid their mortgage or not, those kind of things, right? The three is an achiever. They desire success um, and they want to make sure that they do the job well, right, and tell everyone how great they did at their job. Even well. better than well. Even better. Yes. I'm the best of the best of the 1% <laughs> of the better ones. Um, and then the four is the individualist. And so a lot of people deem them as loners, but the truth is they want to be seen for doing something very unique and different and outside the box. And they go mm. out of their way to go outside of the box. And so, um, depending on the ages of people listening, but millennials, we remember in high school, those goth emo kids, right? They just went out of their way to show you how different they were with their clothes and their makeup because they were individualists and they wanted you to see. Now, again, if you knew them as a true person, you're like, oh, they're so nice. They're so smart. They're so this, they're so that. Great compliments. Yeah, they just wanted you to know how special they were in the process and did it in an extreme way. A lot of singers, songwriters, same thing. Creatives in general will also be individualists. Um, and they want to be known for doing something differently. So that's your heart triad. Um, again, a lot of their emotions and feelings guide the rest of how they think and feel and show up in the world. Then you have the head triad, five, six, and seven. Fives are known as the investigator. We kind of label them bookworms because they will be reading a lot of things, but they're always looking to gain knowledge, research, information, data. You can see it in a scientific way um, as well, but they always have the facts and they are accurate facts. I've never seen a five speak without actually knowing what they're talking about as well. Um, the sixes are known as the loyalist or the guardian. Um, when they latch on, they're not going anywhere, no matter what. Um, but they, they have a strong desire to connect with others, and they're actually really mm -hmm. great at kind of bringing people together. Um, you can also think of like the mom with the Mary Poppins bag. So she's just prepared and over-prepared, whether it's with physical things or information or um, ways of keeping everyone connected. So it's like, you'll be my friend because I had a Band-Aid. You'll be my friend because I had snacks. You'll be my friend mm -hmm. because yeah. I gave you the answers to the test, you know, kind of a thing. But any way that they can keep you connected. And then the sevens are known as the enthusiast. On social media, they get labeled as the party animals. They are really big visionaries, very spontaneous, multi-passionate. Um, they have a lot of ideas. They just like don't write any of them down um, <laughs> in the process. And I'm a seven wing, so I'm not being mean, um, but just how the head triad um, is five, six, and seven. And then you have the body triad, also known as the gut or instinct triad. That's eights, nines, and ones. And so the eight is the challenger, um, very protective, if we're in a good way, we become advocates, like I was talking about Martin Luther King as well. You can think of that mama bear instinct of like, no one is getting in my way, no matter what. We do have a strong uh, control mechanism <laughs> within us. The nines are known as the peacemaker. They desire to you know, be conflict avoidant. They just want everything to be neutral and at one with themselves, with others, with the universe, all the things. Um, I always tell people, though, don't sleep on nines. They are peacemakers. They are not pushovers. And in mm. case you're not sure, they're centered between an eight and a one. So like, don't 
if a nine needs to push back, they will. Um, but at the same time, they just don't let things phase them. And so they rather um, move to the side and let you go because it's just not worth the fight. However, if it becomes worth the fight, you know, <laughs> they'll do what they got to do um, in the process. And then last but not least, my ones, they are the reformer or the perfectionist. They have a very high standard of excellence. They see things as black and white, right or wrong. There is nothing in between. They can learn to see the gray, but they don't naturally care about it. Um, and because they have a high standard of excellence, a high like moral compass, they're pushing themselves and others to do things right. And so that's where we see that perfectionist way of things is because like, why should you do it wrong? Like, that's not smart. So yeah. um, for them, everything is kind of the extremes. And obviously, they're going to go to the right good version of things. Right. Oh, so fascinating. What advice do you give to people who get overwhelmed by the model? Um, one, you only need to know your type, truthfully. You don't need to memorize the entire thing unless you're looking to become an Enneagram coach, you're using this in business, like unless this is your area of expertise, you only need to know your type. Um, I do think you should explore your type, but with your core number comes wings and then your growth and your stress number. And so you should learn about the other parts of who you are. A lot of people will go, oh, I took the test and I see myself in five out of the nine numbers. And I'm like, cool. So you're a human. That's awesome. Like, it's yeah. not about you putting yourself in a box and none of us want to be labeled. But again, when you know your core number, you get language around the things that make you you. And so knowing your core number, it speaks to your core motivations, your desires. It talks about how you handle the not so great things. Are you, um, you know, when an eight, nine, or one part of the body triad is not getting their way, we're not crying and feeling ashamed. We get angry. Now, the mm -hmm. thing is, we're still scared and we're just handling that fear in a different way. Mm -hmm. um, so we might yell at you and snap back and you might have, for me, I have a very witty or sarcastic comment. Um, and that's my defense mechanism so that you don't see me climbing underneath the table to have a mental breakdown. Those happen right. too, but <laughs> yeah. you get the snappy sarcasm. I, I love what, <laughs> when you talk about like the not wanting to be put in a box piece, because I don't know how other people experience, but personally I found for the Enneagram, it doesn't put you in a box because as much as it can be challenging and it is somewhat complex, like that's where you're not in a box because it is so diverse and you can see yourself in, in different pieces within your own space. And I found other times when I did some of the other ones, like Myers-Briggs or Colors and some of these, they were too simplistic and, and you did feel like you were in a box. So for the Enneagram, for me, I don't feel like I'm in a box. Yeah. And so you have your core number, but then you also have your <laughs> wings. And so on the left or right of each immediate number, it will say, you know, I mentioned Martin Luther King again, being an eight wing nine. And so when you don't see core traits of your dominant number, that wing number, again, to the immediate left or right, is probably like the backup, right? You're like, oh, I'm 80% this, and then that other 20%, where's it coming from? That wing number is there. Here's how you can call out someone who thinks they're an expert, but they're not. If they're like, oh, I'm a nine wing four. No, you're not. Shut up. You're lying. Um, so you can call them out and tell them that they don't know it because you don't just jump across and pick any other number that you want. They might have traits. I'm a very creative person. I grew up in theater, but I don't get to call myself an eight wing four because I have creative elements right. to who I am. Um, 
as well. And then you also have your growth and your stress number. And so your core number, and this is where the lines come in. So the number with the arrow going to the right of you is your growth number at your best when you are doing everything quote unquote right for my ones, right? Everything right about who you are, you will reach across a circle and look like a different number. So Stephanie is a three, you'll reach across and look like a six. And so you want to achieve things, you want to be successful, but at your best, you look like a six. And so you desire to connect others, to raise up the next generation of leaders, to have a podcast that helps women walk through their own life and walk through those own criticisms and things mm -hmm. in their life as well. So how can I connect and keep us all together? But when you're stressed, you kind of give up and you look like a nine and you're like, well, whatever you want, just go for it. Who cares? It'll figure itself out. I feel like that with COVID parenting. I'm like, whatever. <laughs> stay alive, folks. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> just stay alive. Exactly. And so how can you find it as a way to kind of ground yourself and find peace when you're stressed out as a three and you can't do what you want? You just say like, it'll happen and so you'll take on actually the worst traits of a nine is when a nine does let someone push them over there's like right. you know we'll figure we'll figure it out um yes. same thing ones and twos at their best will look like a four and so ones desire to be right and do things very very well twos wanting to help others and serve and give at their best they become very creative people they have a lot of innovation you want a problem solved go to a one or a two because yes. they'll come up with a unique idea and think outside the box in doing that. Yeah. But when stressed, it will look like different numbers. And so you can, um, especially with the wonderful hormones of womenhood, um, <laughs> you know, you can hit several numbers in a day, right? So my core number being an eight, but I have a strong seven wing. At my best, I look like a two. When I'm stressed out, I can look like a five. Yeah. And especially in the year 2020, I'm okay. sure I hit Several of those yeah, like in a the day. Things. Yes. <laughs> all the things. Yeah. I remember when we did Enneagram as a team in one of my old workplaces and, and we went in and worked with someone. It was so funny because when I was labeled, like not labeled, I guess, but figured out that I was a three, I could tell that like, I think some people actually like apologize. I'm like, no, no, I'm good. Like, I, first of all, I want to know what I am. And second of all, I've done the work to actually be a pretty healthy version of a three. And that was really helpful for, for me to see and to recognize some of the work that I had ar already been done. But it was so funny because like people kind of felt bad for me. I was like, yeah, I'm a three. Like, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> as long as I get an A plus on my report card, I don't yeah. actually care. Don't care. Um, <laughs> yeah. What, what advice do you give to people who really struggle to figure out which number they are? Like, to just seem to really fit? How, how should people break that down? So that's when the triads become really important. So a lot of people want to say like, what's my core number? What's my wing? And the thing is, if you, right, if you get too far into the details, you lose the forest and the trees, you know, type mm -hmm. of thing. Right. And so it's really important to say at my core, this is what drives me. When things don't go my way, am I witty and sarcastic and snapping back with an attitude? Or am I internally having like shame and fear and rejection and thinking that everyone hates me because of that one small mistake? How are you responding to those core things? Because your core, your triad will tell you where you resonate kind of best. Mm -hmm. Are you holding on to people by 
giving everything and showing them how smart you are, are you the type of person, I'm going to call out my threes, do you have all your diplomas on your wall and certificates on your wall in every Zoom call so people can see how accomplished and well off you are? Do Don't, but I thought about it. <laughs> I, I have them. There was intention there. <laughs> yeah, my, see, as an eight, I have them. They're just over here so they're not mm. in camera view. And so that's how you can also kind of tell the difference right. between a three or an eight. A three is kind of I'm calling you out here, Stephanie, but like a three it. is a I people pleaser. Yeah. They want, they want people to see how great they are. They want other people to tell them that they're smart. Where an eight is like, I'm smart. Get out my face. And I don't care what you think. Like, we just have an attitude for it's no so reason. True. It's so true. <laughs> like, like, yeah. The, the, my husband and I have the best fights about that. <laughs> things, right? And I'm like, oh my gosh, it's so funny. Yeah, yeah. And so, so that's where you see, you see the difference and you can also know, are you at a healthy and you spoke to this, right? A healthy version of yourself yeah. where you are reaching across the circle to do things, but then think about when you're not right mm -hmm. when things aren't going your way if you're not sure if you've had a bad season look yes. about a year ago in life because it doesn't matter if you made a million dollars you still had a rough moment of are we going to survive this yes. and so how were you doing then that was your stress number and that'll explain to you the rest i have a ridiculous number of certifications because i was like well if i'm going to learn this thing i was stressing out as a five and doing research i'm going to learn this thing at least give me some letters behind my names and some certificates <laughs> to do it but do yeah. i go around telling everyone that i'm certified not unless they start to question me and then i got to put them in their place yes. so that's how you can start to tell the difference between yes. numbers am i certified because i just want the number the the information i just want the knowledge is this just my natural trait or am i doing it to get recognition from others am i doing it because i think it's the right thing to do and you'll start to see kind of natural career traits and where people are in the hierarchy of a corporate environment or yes. what work they choose to do yes. based on their enneagram type and after a while you're like well that makes sense <laughs> so it is it is really fascinating uh, I soon want to jump into the final questions, but I do want to ask um, some questions for the people who know the Enneagram a little bit more deeply. So for, for people who don't, don't lose this here because the other pieces will be interesting to you. But uh, I did ask online, I posted that I was doing this interview and I got some questions. So one person said wings. How do you determine your wing number? Is it always the number before or after your Enneagram number? Do you choose the one you most identify with? So I know we've covered it a little bit, but I thought I'd throw it out there to specifically talk about. Yeah, so let's pick the type seven, right? So type seven, they are known as the party animal, very spontaneous, large visionaries, lots of ideas. They don't write any of those ideas down. I usually tell sevens, like, go get a planner, write down that idea. It might become a real thing if you put some thought behind it. Yeah. How do you know your wing type as a seven? Are you a type six or a type a seven wing six or a seven wing eight? So when you're in that situation and you have a lot of ideas, are you kind of selfish about it and you're planning the party and you want to decide how this goes? Or are you bouncing the ideas off other people to check in and say, what does she think about my idea? What does he think? What will my parents think about it? Like, yeah. So cool. You're kind of stripping it down to that natural place, right? Yeah. So okay. with all of those ideas, which way are you leaning? If you're desiring to, to control the situation, to plan it, and it's all about you in a way, mm -hmm. you're a seven wing eight. 
if you're connecting it to others and you're thinking about what your mom, your sister, and your uncle are all going to think about this idea that you had, mm-hmm. you're seven wing six because that loyalty piece is coming in for you. Now, it's not bad, right or wrong, if you're connecting it one way or the other, it's just speaking to where those desires are coming from. Mm. And your idea could be, I want to open a nonprofit organization. Like it could be a really good thing that you're doing. And I want to give a million dollars to charity. But if you're doing it because you want to know that you opened it and you want to check the box of being really awesome, then you're seven wing eight and you have a control mechanism in you as well. So it is always Uh, the number to the immediate left or right of that. You cannot like jump across to whatever, but look at those core desires. Um, And so go read like what's a type eight and what's a type six. And that'll kind of help you decide which one you resonate with better. Okay. And if you're still having trouble, you call Kristen. If, okay. So the other one, we've talked a little bit about this, but someone just said bluntly, which I, I love and can totally appreciate. What do the arrows mean? <laughs> yeah. So that's your growth and your stress number. And so when you reach across as the best or worst version of yourself, um, again, growth, I'm at my best, I'm doing really well, I'm being awesome at life. And, you know, I I channel a different level. So how can I do, right? Eights get out of themselves and their control self. And how can I serve others? How can I advocate for others? You'll see the two come out of an eight. Um, And then your stress number. So that downward arrow being at my worst, I pick out these really bad traits of another number. Mm -hmm. And do some weird things oh, gosh. <laughs> like, like googling for no reason well and and there's so much fun you can have with this like as as your friend group or your professional community or whatever gets more and more into the Enneagram you'll just see it popping up in different places like I, I have friends who have been at like family vacations with like extended family who like all dove into the Enneagram. We had, we have a friend who's particularly obsessed with the Enneagram and forever has been like Enneagram, Enneagram. And then I did it at work. And anyways, we were on a girl's trip and we all did the Enneagram together. It was so funny. And uh, I guess I would say too, I, one of my friends, it causes her a lot of stress. She, she doesn't like it and she can't figure out where she is. So don't pressure people either. Yes, <laughs> but it can so be true. kind of fun to, to dive into with groups because you learn so much more about each other, um, yeah. which is so, super fun. I'm going to speak to that friend who said, you're saying it stresses her out so she can't figure out her number. Yes. Because she's in that environment of high pressure, right? We think about kids in school who don't test well, right? Absolute genius. You put a test in front of them and all of a sudden they get like they fail. It's because of the pressure that you're putting on them. So you're causing your friend by saying, we're all going to take this test right now. Yeah. You're creating her stress number. Right. And so instead of her showing up as the best version of herself or even right. a neutral version of herself, uh, she's seeing her stress number. Right. Now for you as a three, if you're stressed out, you look as a nine, mm-hmm. then she reads the breakdown of the nine. She goes, none of this is accurate about me. Right. You guys just stressed her out. And so now you're saying, this is your type. Up, and she's like, you're messing, you're messing her up. This is also why you can't type your kids because you stress yes. them out. Yeah. You and type them wrong. And I then you start treating them wrong. She's like, she, the one who loves the Instagram. She's like, you cannot type other people. Do not do that. So, so if you're listening, especially not your spouse, it's really not helpful. <laughs> yeah. So if people want to learn more about the Enneagram, how do you recommend that they do that? Yeah, so I can give you a link, but you can literally take a free test. I love truity.com because they give you just like 
the Enneagram in general, but you can also choose to do the Enneagram in business test. Uh So you'll see how you show up in the workplace and how you can make it through life with your colleagues as we all slowly return to office or whatever that might look like. That's actually a really important point, Kristen. Yeah. Right? Because let's, let's make sure we don't hate each other when we get yeah, back to it. I remember early in my career doing, I don't know if it was Myers-Briggs or Colors and learning about some of this stuff. And I had a colleague that, you know, I'm very outgoing and very chipper. I'm like, good morning. And and she would, she wouldn't even say good morning. She wouldn't barely look at you. And I, and I don't know, in my head, I was kind of, I was very young. So I was also like, is this person just a jerk? And then when we did the tests and stuff, I realized like, she's not, she's actually a really lovely and quite a nice person, but she expresses herself differently than me. And she doesn't care what I did that morning. And it's not because she doesn't like me as a person or doesn't actually care about me. Right. So it it was just fascinating. And I learned so much about myself and my colleagues. And I actually think that's great advice. If people are going back into the workplace after being off so long with COVID diving into this kind of thing as a team, I think would be really important work to do. Yeah. And even, even if your team's not up for it, because again, you shouldn't force people into this test, like know yourself. And so if you're walking into the workplace, super bubbly, (laughs) yeah, like, Hey, you're, you might be a lot and that's totally okay. But just recognize that not everyone wants your allotness at eight yes. 30 in the morning. Like yeah. I don't either. Yeah. I used, so. to, I used to live with a girlfriend and her husband for all when I first moved back to auto after my master's and like her husband was not a morning person. We'd take the bus together. I'd be like, hi. Da, 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 da. And I think when I moved out, he was probably like, oh, thank God. Yeah. It's so funny. Yeah. So, so also for you to not be offended yes, by oh, people's yeah. responses. So yes, recognize that like, helped me a lot to just be like, people are different just because someone is acting a certain way. doesn't actually mean they hate you. And, mm-hmm. and I've had to learn that a lot because I'm so outgoing that, uh, a lot of people, I think, and I've done this myself sometimes, think that shy people are just not nice. And it isn't the case. No. And so just having to learn how different people think and feel and experience the world and experience me is, has been uh, yeah. really liberating as a, just as a person. Just imagine if our entire world was actually eights and threes. Like, it'd be a lot. It'd and be- It wouldn't be good. No No, lie. Like we need to balance that out. Yeah. And I think as a manager too, like recognizing that as you build teams, you don't want to just build teams of yourself, right? You want that diversity. It's really important. It's how you get different skill sets. And I want to ask you before we do the final questions. So you have courses, you have podcasts. What do you want people to know about how to continue this conversation with you? Yeah. So Instagram is my favorite place to hang out. And I absolutely believe in us becoming our best versions of ourselves and truly being leaders, right? It's not just about getting to know your Enneagram type and ending it there, but becoming the best version of yourself, creating your best life, helping other people to also become leaders, right? It's it's about a never-ending legacy of just women being awesome. And so, you know, Instagram is my favorite place to kind of hang out and add value. And then my podcast is called Amplify Ambition. So those would be the two places and both are free podcasting and Instagram. So come hang out with me there. And if you do want to work with me, then there's links available in both of those. Amazing. So I want to ask you the final questions before we jump in. Is there anything else you want to add? Go take your test, go find out your type and then go become the best version of yourself. I love that. So here's a question for you. I have been told, and I'd be curious to know what you think that it's important to like dig deeper, like read a book about the different types too. Like don't just take the test. 
What is your thoughts on that before we ask the final questions? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. The test is just the beginning and you can type mm -hmm. yourself for people who are like, I just want to pick it out of thin air. Like technically, yes, go, you can yeah. type yourself, but most of us like, yeah. you know, computers helping us. Is there a book us. that you recommend for it? Oh, I'm so biased. So I do think, um, you know, Ian Crone kind of wrote the, the best book, but then there's like, I don't know. There's so many. I'm looking at my shelf and there's like eight Enneagram books over there. <laughs> so yes. um, I, you know, I can give you a couple of resources of sure. like we, your best for personal development mm -hmm. and then like the best one for the workplace, sure. because I do think like we can continue this journey. The test is the first step. Right. It's then about knowing yourself. And for people who don't want to buy books, although like books are great, just Google it. Like when right. you take that test on Truity, it offers you a chance to pay for a breakdown. Um, right. I, of your one of my type. friends like, did that the last couple of days. So now she'll have to listen to the podcast when it, when it comes out um, to see, but yes. And she's one of the ones that's been like, you need to know your skill sets. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. the test is the first step. Yes. It's about creating the, becoming the best version of yourself. And how do you do that if you're not aware? Right. Yes. I love that. Okay. So closing things off, what is the best rule you ever broke? So I, in the online business space, the first thing that you're told to do is to niche down and yes. I hated it and I still hate it. So I decided to create my own niche and that's how we got the leadership and the Enneagram and business strategy all wrapped up together. And I so, yeah, the rules are stupid, but niching was the number one rule. <laughs> yeah. Rules are stupid because what you bring in your uniqueness, like is the niche. Yeah, and, exactly. And it might not have even been thought of yet. It could be completely different. I love that. If there's someone who does this, by the way, can we be friends? Because it's sometimes lonely on my island. <laughs> yes, I could see that. Yeah, she needs a friend. What is your most valuable habit that was hardest to create? Journaling. Journaling. <laughs> yes. Can you add? I'm an maybe, eight. I don't naturally <laughs> want to write in my diary. Maybe you can appreciate. I don't know if it's like. I'm, I'm also, I would say undiagnosed, but like ADHD. And so when I, as a three, two, right, like I sit there to write, and I'm like, nothing, this is a waste of time. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. <laughs> what is this going to get me in the end? Um, yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I always thought of journaling as that like 13 year old diary thing. And so I had a lot of judgment toward I'm an eight so I judge um, I just had a lot of judgment towards it and why do we need to go back there and so um, starting an intentional journaling practice of mm -hmm. gratitude and goal setting definitely changed the game for me um, there's still days where I forget to journal but yeah that that was a hard thing that is worth absolutely doing I'm, I'm a periodic <laughs> journaler but I when I'm actually doing it it is a good process for yeah, me exactly can you name another woman that inspires you? So I'm going to be really cliche on this one and say my mom. Um, she also really annoys me. So my mom's a type one and <laughs> nothing is done right ever. Right. Like you just, and she's Jamaican. So like the d dishes are never cleaned, right? Your house is never cleaned, right? Like it's just a lot. But at the end of the day, like my mom is the reason that I am so ambitious and even when I probably should not have been believed in, she still believed in me. Yeah. And so, you know, the entire mission of like, again, I'm going to show up and do it my way. And who cares if I'm the only one? A lot of that is because my mom told me to. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, so I will give her credit on that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
here we go I love it tell us about a book that made you wiser I'm surprised I actually haven't said his name this entire podcast but John Maxwell is just the greatest person ever like when I grow up I want to be I mean I I will not be an old white man but like (laughs) you guys see my picture you'll get why I say that um (laughs) but everything John Maxwell so my favorite book by him and I think quite frankly what brought the love of the Enneagram truly to light is the 15 indisputable laws of growth. Mm. And one of the laws in that book is the law of awareness. And so reading that book and knowing the Enneagram, I built a whole business around it. So thank you, John Maxwell. Yeah, um, I love it. <laughs> but yeah, 15 indisputable laws of growth for sure. Great. Well, thank you so much, Kristen, for spending your time with us. I'm sure people will be hungry for more. So they'll have to find you on Instagram and listen to your podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you, Stephanie. It's been great. Thank you for listening to Women Don't Do That. I hope you feel inspired to do whatever it is you think you can't do. Make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Stay connected on Twitter and Instagram at Women Don't Do That. I would love to have you join the conversation, so make sure you join our next Instagram Live. Find all our podcast and blog content at womendontdothat.com. Join me next time.